Hello and welcome back to Dragons and Demons Real Motivation. We are here starting Season 2. And what exactly does that mean? That means we are going to do things a little differently here. So the first five episodes, we kind of laid out the foundation for where this podcast is going to go, what my expectations are, what the reason why I got here, what it's going to take for me to go down this journey, and all the recommendations I have for any listeners I have or anybody who wants to go on a, a strong journey, whether it be career, fitness, nutrition, whatever it is, and sharing some of the demons I've had to battle on the way and some of the obstacles that pop up along the road. So here we are, season two. And the way I want to play this, and this is pretty much probably going to be season two forever, unless I come up with some new ideas. So the way I want to play this is it's going to kind of bounce between research-based episodes and interviews. I have lined up my first interview for next week. I'm going to record that here in a few days. This first episode on research, it's kind of a warm-up for that. With that said, let's get started. So, the beginning of this episode, we are talking about defining motivation. So, I really want to lay the foundation of what motivation looks like, what it feels like. I'm, I'm sure all of you have had those moments where you see a video, you hear a familiar sound, you, you have someone who's saying a speech or something that kind of gets you fired up. So, we're going to talk a little bit about that. I'm going to talk about some of my experiences and some of the things that I kind of turn to when I'm training or when I'm getting ready to get excited or, or get in the moment, so to speak. Talk a little bit about what the neuroscience is, just a tiny bit scratching the surface. Again, this was just a, a couple educational journals that I read, a couple articles that I read. So I didn't really do a deep dive. And this is my first crack at the research side of things. So first, I want to make a point something that I've, I've found interesting. <clears throat> Have you ever watched a video, listened to a speaker or watched something happen that is so exciting? It, it makes the hair on your neck stand up and it gives you goosebumps and it makes you scream and yell and get out of your seat and do these really fun things. I can think of a couple specific examples, but that's kind of what this episode is circled around. So the best, biggest example, and it gets me every single time, uh, first of all, if I haven't said it before, I'm a huge Eagles fan, and I have been for most of watching football. Obviously, I rode the bandwagon the first few years, as everyone does, and then I went to my ground roots, my home roots. I'm from Philadelphia, so I'm a big Eagles fan. The, the game that kind of pops out to me, Super Bowl 2018, Super Bowl 52, I knew from the moment that the Eagles entered the stadium, I knew that they would win that game. Some of that might come from my experience as a coach and as a player and as a fan of the game, but watching them enter the stadium, there was no doubt in my mind that they were going to win that game. You could hear it across the stadium. You could read it all across the faces of the players and coaches in the, in the building. Everybody knew. The Eagles came running out, and some of you might remember this if you're following along with me. The, the Eagles were introduced, and they came out to a song, a song by Meek Mill, called Dreams and Nightmares. It's a very loud, fast, and it, the song has a great beat and a great melody and great lyrics to it, and it's got a good message for kind of what the, the war of football is all about. 
Meek Mill is a Philly native, and this song was a major hit in Philly for years, and it was played in Eagle Stadium all the time. It's a song that just kind of blares through my head as that entire season went on. When the Eagles came out to that song in the stadium, it was wild. It was chaos. It was... It looked like warriors preparing to go to battle that they were going to win. So they are running onto the field as they're announced and that music is playing, the bass is hitting, and these players are just jumping off and, and jumping around and screaming and yelling and throwing fists and they're all motivated. One guy in the video, you see him just kind of chopping his hands because he doesn't know what to do and, and they're just so fired up. These are players who are preparing. Again, it's like watching warriors celebrating the fact that they are going to prepare to battle, prepare to die, prepare to win. And when I watched, I jumped off of my couch and was screaming the lyrics at the top of my lungs. And every time I hear that song, I envision that entry to that stadium. It was electric and it was the moment that I knew that they were going to win that game. And then shortly after that, the Patriots came out and they came out to crazy train, which is a very good song, very motivating, very exciting in its own respect. But they came out and they were organized and straight lines. They were flat, relaxed, maybe just a little too relaxed. Meanwhile, the Eagles are still going wild all across the field. Chaos from the middle of the field, even over. They're crossing some of those boundaries that are on set, and they're still going wild. I have watched that video hundreds of times. I've watched that game on repeat several times just to get that feeling. Again, when I hear that song, Meek Mill Dreams and Nightmares, the hair on my neck stands up. My back tightens and everything just goes ready. That's one of my songs in my Max Out playlist. I promise you that song was in the mix when I hit my big bench in both my meets. If you want to see and figure out what I'm talking about, go on YouTube. And if you search, the title of this video is Eagles versus Patriots. Crowd reacts to start Super Bowl 52. Watch it. You'll know exactly what I mean. So my curiosity curiosity starts here. What jumped in my brain that made me get out of my chair when I was physically 163 miles away from what that was? What is that? Again, I have felt it dozens, maybe thousands of times between my lifting, coaching, playing, and, and just the different aspects of being competitive. I felt it a bunch. Towards the end, I'll, I'll comb through a couple of the other videos that give me that feeling. And I recommend some of those videos for you to check out. I really recommend for you to take a couple of those videos and store them. So there's a couple different opportunities, and I'll get into that a little bit later. So first, here are some of the facts. Facts. Let's start by defining the word motivation. Oxford Languages calls motivation the reason or reasons one has for acting or behaving in a particular way. So this can be broken several, down into several different kind of directions. First, where it originates. So from within the body, you have implicit versus explicit motivation. The explicit motivational system represents individual self-attributed or explicit 
mood motives. That is motivational orientations and goals that people describe themselves, the way they can verbally report on what has given rise to controlled forms and behaviors. The implicit motivational system requires individuals' implicit motives, that is, motivational dispositions that operate outside of people's conscious awareness and that orient, select, and energize spontaneous forms of behavior. Huh. There's some heavy language there, but some things are just kind of felt and some things are kind of information that you're taking in and, and it fires you up. Where is that motivation derived? We have intrinsic versus extrinsic. So intrinsic is the motivation that your body wants to be able to breathe and your body needs food and your body's motivated to keep yourself upright and your body's motivated to kind of keep its systems going. After a while, some of the extrinsic factors can kind of roll into your in, sorry, can kind of roll into your intrinsic factors and kind of build on there. So intrinsic is something that is either innate where it's built in and, and your body genetically wants it, or it's something that you're just so locked into and your body's so accustomed to and, and so built into its routine that it just desires and needs. Explicit, or I'm sorry, extrinsic motivation is stuff on the outside that influences you and forces you to want and desire and, and work towards something else. All this kind of points back to something called dopamine. Dopamine is considered the most important neurotransmitter in motivation. Let's say you're thirsty and you want a cup of water to drink. Your brain provides a low level of dopamine to give you that motivation to go get the water. Once you get the water, more dopamine comes in and, and we're kind of rolling from there. How does it impact the brain? Dopamine plays a key role in motivating you to reach your goals by activating your internal reward system. It helps teach you what feels good, guiding you to choose actions that bring back the positive stuff and avoid the negative. So dopamine is part of the correlation. So me watching those Eagles play was a good feeling. My body wants more. When I hear that song, I, I feel like good things are coming because of that dopamine rush. And then some people who are having a hard time dieting, dopamine comes in with the pleasure, the, the satiety of good foods. So if I'm eating sugar constantly, every time I have a little sugar, I get a dopamine drip. If I had a lot of sugar, I get a little bit more. If I am craving sugar, that dopamine is that desire is kind of building. And then I can soften, I can satisfy that desire by giving myself the sugar. Those are the things that positive and negative we need to attack. What most people think of motivation or where motivational speakers and videos come into play is the act or source of inspiration. So that's the confusion part. People want to say you want to look up motivational videos and people say you're a motivational person. But really, the what they're looking for is inspirational person, because this uh, this idea of motivation is based on some of it is just based on what your body desires and what's built into you and things like that. But inspiration is something you draw entirely from the outside. Inspiration can try and create a dopamine rush and it can create an extrinsic source of motivation. There's a curve motivation as it compares to discipline. When the discipline is high and the time is low. So when you're really focused and really excited but your time spent is low. It's called the obligation stage. 
This is an external motivator. So again, your discipline is high. You really want this thing. You're starting to work for it and you're excited for it and you're locked in. But the time you have spent is low. It's not quite an intrinsic thing, but it's an obligation. So your body is starting to get that feeling. Stage two, discipline required to continue doing these tasks is a little lower because you've invested more time. This is called the desired stage. This is still external. So now we're desiring that. It takes a little bit less discipline to try and get the ball rolling, and I've invested a little bit more time. Stage three is when even less discipline is required, and there is more time invested than the discipline required. Then there's time investment is greater and than the discipline required. This is called the enjoyment stage. So my time is kind of worth it. The discipline it takes to achieve this thing is not as much, but my time spent is great. Now it has shifted to an internal motivator. So again, the discipline of getting up, for me getting up in the morning every single morning at 3.34 a.m., it doesn't take that much discipline because it is so built into what I do. But the time I have spent doing it to this point makes it easier and I'm enjoying it. I enjoy getting up that early and getting my workouts in and there's so many positives out of that. Lastly, when the time is spent and I've invested the most time into something, it takes the least amount of discipline to do this. This is called mastery. This is when you know you've gotten somewhere, you've made the progress and then it's just kind of built into your routine. Now it is solely an internal motivator. Defining inspiration, the process of being mentally stimulated to do or feel something. So what happened to me when I was sitting on that couch back in 2018? I was sitting there. I was excited to watch the Eagles play. I was in the factors. I was seeing the team. I was familiar with the song and, I, and the dopamine excitement, all that rush hit at the same time. It hit the pleasure center of my brain, hitting the reward system of my brain, the prefrontal corp, corp complex, prefrontal complex. All that hitting at the same time inspired me. It motivated me and, and got me excited to jump up off the couch and, and do what I need to do. Now that that memory is stored and it's associated with a positive memory from the Eagles winning the Super Bowl, the feedback in very simple terms, I hear that song, I get excited, it brings back the memory of the Eagles win, all the great feelings I've had from that season. So that was a lot. But what it shows me, it, it reinforces all the things that I've been talking about. When you invest time into something, clearly that gets easier. When you're very disciplined at something, gets a little harder. It gets a little easier each time. It gets a little easier each time. The more time you spend, it kind of makes sense on that curve. The intrins intrinsic versus extrinsic motivators, the fact that this is something that you can build in and the external factors can kind of become internal factors is, is very interesting. I'm kind of early into my routines now. I've been, I just had a realization. So before Christmas, I did a 30-day cut where I ate perfect for 30 days. I was craving the entire time. I took about a week off. And that week, I probably gained about 10 pounds because I indulged. I did too much. I gorged myself and I gained it all back. 
I gave myself that dopamine hit of eating all the sugar and the sweet foods and all that. And then I dove right into a 45 day challenge of eating perfect. Here I am 36 days into that challenge. And it's so much easier. I, I'm at a point now where I'm not craving anymore. I, I, like the 15 day mark, I had it planned for what I was going to use to break this diet. I was going to make this pasta dish with this this dessert that was going to go with it, that I was just going to eat at every meal, at every opportunity until it ran out, which would only take me a day, maybe two. And then I was going to start back on my next diet. But I don't care for that right now. I'm excited to continue. Once 45 days hits, yes, I might relax a little. But when I say a little, I mean, I might have a slice of pizza and then I'll be right back to eating my ground beef and rice. Because I'm more excited about the time invested. I'm more excited about the long-term results than I am the, the short-term feedback of having little sugar in my diet. So my amount of discipline it takes to be where I'm at, it's not as hard. It's been built into my routine now for 60, 76 days minus 10 days in the middle. And it's not that difficult. And I'm not craving and I'm not ready to gorge myself. And the amount of time invested is way up. The discipline required is way down. I wouldn't say I'm at the mastery stage because there are days and there, there are times when I definitely want to have a slice of pizza. There's times when I definitely want to have a, a cookie. But it's, it's much, much easier as time goes on. So there are a couple other things that kind of trigger this thought and these, these, this thing in my head. And there's three kind of big examples I can think of that, that really get me fired up and, and almost emotional to an point. Uh, the first one, there are several bodybuilders and powerlifters that I can watch. And I've seen their work ethic and I can see where they are now and where they've come from. And what I really like to do is relate to the grind. The grind it took to get there, and since it's at a level that I have not achieved, both in outcome and intensity, it's very inspiring. So a couple examples. Again, go to YouTube. Ronnie Coleman is the king. He is a, an, uh, he is a genetic freak. He was a genetic freak. He still is. I, the dude was a probably could have been a 600 pound bencher and probably a thousand pound squatter and a thousand pound deadlifter if you if you changed his goals but he was a bodybuilder and he walked around on stage at 290 300 at two three four percent body fat and again to me so unachievable for me to get there i'm a little past that that curve in life but it's truly inspiring to see a human being go that far. And people want to blame the drugs and the PEDs he may or may not have taken. And everyone wants to bring that up. And and I've been accused of being on steroids even to this day. Even a, a kid took a shot at me at school today saying, I wish I looked like you and did steroids or whatever. But well, first of all, I'm not. And second of all, if you think that this, what I have done with my body is unattainable, I appreciate the compliment, young man. I, there is no amount of drugs in this world that's going to give you the discipline and the work ethic that Ronnie Coleman had. Yes, 
he's probably had some PEDs in his life, but there is no amount of drugs that's going to get you there. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Branch Warren, Dorian Yates, all these dudes who have reached the top levels, there is no amount of PEDs or drugs in this world that can get you to that level. These guys have been working for 20, 30 years to achieve what they have, and they have been eating perfect meals like I have for 66 days for most of that time. I respect the grind. I understand the grind. I respect the hustle. And while I might not be able to blow myself up on drugs and look like that, man, I can enjoy the energy that they put out in their videos. I can enjoy the excitement. I can watch Ronnie scream at a 200-pound dumbbell, calling it a peanut. I can watch him leg press 2250 off of the leg press. I can watch Dorian Yates sweat it out in his hole-in-the-wall garage or basement gym. I can watch Arnold in the old Pumping Iron documentary outdoing everybody. Those things are exciting. They fire me up. And when I have a slow day in the weight room, I'll put them on the TV behind me. And it'll help me kind of get pumped up and get energized because, again, I'm watching something amazing happen. And I'm going to try and simulate that in my workout. Another thing that gets me fired up is a total left turn. Something as simple as watching someone perform in, a, in front of a huge crowd and getting that instant feedback. The example, if I watch someone on America's Got Talent and someone who goes out and sings in front of thousands of people and then they crush it and they get that standing ovation or the golden buzzer, I can kind of relate to that. And honestly, those videos get me emotional. When you see somebody's hard work and everything that they've poured into it, and especially when they sing at a very highly emotional level and they, you could really tell they put everything they had into it in a one single performance. And then they get that response to the crowd noise or golden buzzer or whatever. It, it, it can be, it can make me emotional. When I was in high school and even a little bit in college, I was super self-conscious about public speaking. And to this day, I get nervous in front of big crowds and in front of specific people. But I was very shy, very self-conscious about my public speaking inability, I guess you would say. I've challenged myself to speak in front of bigger and bigger crowds throughout my career. And I've gotten up to the point where, as the head football coach of our high school, I had to speak at pep rallies where there are 1,800 kids, 200 staff members, and a bunch of other people in that gym. Maybe I never got a golden buzzer, and maybe it was only for... 30 seconds to seven minutes, depending on what performance I put on that day. But I always got a loud cheer as I trash talk our next opponent. But one thing that always stuck out to me, again, I was always the quiet kid. I was never the center of attention when I was in high school. And to my immediate friends, they maybe have saw it in me and maybe were excited to see what I would become. But I always struggled with that part. To the point where I was making presentations in my junior year of college and a professor pulled me aside after a big presentation, one that was like, he pulled two or three, he pulled three of us aside individually. I don't know what he said to the others, but I assume based on their presentations, it was a lot of a conversation, a lot like mine. So my class that my class I was graduating, we we're kind of in a cohort that all kind of graduate at the same time. There are about maybe 20 of us, 18 to 20 of us that 
spent probably the last two or three years of our college classes as like a core together going through the same classes, student teaching in our sophomore, junior and senior block time. And we all kind of ran through the same classes. We all had the same work to do. It was, we, we became kind of a tight group. And then after we all graduated, we were seeing each other in interviews. We've stayed in contact some, we see each other at conferences and different things. So it, it was a group of like, we probably started at like 22 and we probably ended closer to 15 or 16. But after a tough presentation, my junior year professor called me out in the hallway. And again, he did two others and the other two kids that, that he pulled were had a very poor presentation. The conversation he had with me was quick to the point. I never really liked this teacher. I always felt like he had it out for me and I always felt like he graded me a, a little harder than the rest. I don't know where it came from, and usually I'm pretty good at picking up these signals, but I, don't, I really don't know if he had a problem with me, if he was trying to be motivational, if he was just trying to kick me out of the program. I don't know what I did to cross him. I have a theory. But he pulled me aside and was like, you know, maybe teaching is not for you. And I struggled to change my major and to find my route and, and qualify to declare that major even. So it took me like three or four years before I even got to this point where he was telling me to change. And I still had another year and a half left. And he told me to change my major and don't consider teaching. It was a tough, tough thing to hear. But I love to make my haters my motivators. So I did everything I could to be the best I could. Granted, I was not the best in the class. There were some kids in there that could speak with the best of them. They could go up there without their cue cards. They could go up there without their written speeches. Their presentations were crap, but they could talk. They could sell. They could sell dog crap to a dog and, and be the best presenter in the room. Meanwhile, I'm up there with my 12 note cards, looking down, looking up, looking down, looking up, looking down, looking up. I'm writing on my note cards to make sure I don't forget to look up. I'm writing on the slideshow notes to myself. Like it was tough, but I did what I could to take advantage of as many opportunities that I could to speak in front of groups. And eventually it got easier and easier and easier. And I did finally graduate that program and looked that teacher in the face and expected like a, Hey, big congratulations. When we walked that stage and he shook everybody's hand, didn't even look at me. He looked right past me, shook my hand absently. Cool. I'll be back. So probably two years later. And I remember when I was sitting in that class, one of the people from the, the school system that I work with came down to give a presentation, a little bit of a recruiting pitch, but a presentation on what the job looked like. And I was like, I'll be back. So two years after I got the job, I went back with that same person that presented to my class. We presented to the class of rising teachers. And again, I don't know if he pretended he didn't remember me. I don't know if he pretended that he was the one that put the sour taste in, in my mouth. I don't know if he was the, if he remembered me at all, but 
I said it in front of that class. There was a couple of professors here in the school that didn't think I would make it. And here I am. And then I pulled out my new teacher of the year award and got to rub that in his face a little bit. I haven't gone back since then. It is what it is bygones, but Hey, my mo hater was my motivator. I have now spoken in front of crowds as big as 2,100, 2,500, somewhere in that mix. I still struggle at times, but getting better every chance I can. And I really enjoy and I get fired up when I get to speak in front of crowds and I get to perform in front of crowds, whether it be co coaching or what have you. But knowing the fact of where I came from has really motivated me. And I can't sing a lick. I, I would never be able to go on stage, even do karaoke would be embarrassing. But that instant type of feedback, after all the hard work that gets put in, watching those videos hair on my neck stands up I get the chills and I get I get fired up for that the third one and the final one when I read or hear something truly inspirational someone overcoming great adversity and speaking to that experiment experience I can imagine it relate to it in most cases that story I can create in my own mind I, I can picture it and that fires me up David Goggins has a couple books out. Cam Haynes has some books out. And again, reading these books, and those are really the only books that I can kind of get lost in. And, and you see people at the beach, they read these books. And my, my sister and my mom and my wife and all these people will bring stacks of books to the beach and they'll just eat it up. I have to find the right book. I got to find a book that's inspirational, something that, that shares a, a hard story that someone had to overcome. Those books will have me lost in there for days. And again, I, I put myself in such of those those books that like reading the David Goggins book was like, I'm going to go outside and run. When I was at the beach, I ran six miles and my feet still hurt from a year and a half ago. And then I'll read the Cam Haynes book and be like, I want to go be a bow hunter. And, and it just, I kind of put myself in those stories and it makes it real and it really makes it enjoyable. So those are three big things, the, the bodybuilders and powerlifting videos. I can watch them. I can put them in the background of, of the TV like I did the other day at my workout when I was having a rough one. Um, watching people sing or perform in front of large crowds because I know that's a weakness I have. And then the last thing is reading someone who overcame great adversity. That gets me. Implementation. So how can you take this and how can you use this? Find your videos. Take a day. Take a couple days. Go down that rabbit hole on YouTube. Create your playlist. I have a stack of DVDs in that box right behind me. And I've saved on a bunch of videos saved on old hard drives. I have bodybuilding. Like they're, they're, I have a... It's Ronnie Coleman's video. I forget the name of it. But it's like... It follows him around for like three or four days. Where he's waking up, going around, eating his breakfast, his eggs and grits... And then taking his massive stack of pills and supplements and all the things that he takes to keep himself healthy, following him to work, following him to the gym, following him back home for his cardio. It's just three days of his full routine. And yes, it's boring. Yes, it's obnoxious. But I can put that on the TV and I can have it just as background noise again. I can put myself in that situation. I can relate. I can get lost on YouTube watching America's Got Talent. I can do these things and I can kind of fill my brain with those things that fire me up and motivate me and give me that feeling and I can lock those in for when I need them later. 
when I'm working out on a slow day, again, I'll throw Ronnie Coleman up there. I'll be screaming and I'll be putting myself in those situations where I'm screaming. Yeah, buddy, nothing but a peanut. And my personal favorite, when he's sitting on the side and just kind of trying to catch his breath and getting himself mentally psyched up, he's just boo, like he's just animated and I enjoy it. I can go put on the Super Bowl 52 highlights and watch some of the Eagles highlights from the year 2000 to 2010 when I got that dopamine drip from them. And I can ride that into another project even. If it's writing a paper for a grad class or writing a script for one of these episodes or doing a side project around the house, if I'm not feeling it, I'll throw some Eagles clips on there from the 2000s and Brian Westbrook will get me going and Jeremiah Trotter will get me fired up again and Brian Dawkins making some crazy tackles and forcing some fumbles. I'll be feeling it and I'll get back into the groove of things. So you need to find your Eagles win, find your dreams and nightmare song, Find your Ronnie Coleman, keep that in your memory bank, put it in your phone, put it in your computer for that slow and that rough day, just to get your mind off things and get you fired back up with that dopamine drip. Another really good one, C.T. Fletcher. Womb Ficus. There was a, a... a time during the football season years ago when I was trying to get kids fired up and I wrote on the board, Woomicus, Woomicus, I can't remember the acronym, but I just put a bunch of letters on the board and I was just screaming it and it just kind of spelled out as good as I could. It was, I think it was Woomicus and I'm just screaming it out as much as I can. And the kids are like, what is that? I was like, you'll find out. Let's go. And I'm just kind of screaming it. And they, they didn't even know what it meant. But it fired them up, got them excited. They're cheering it too. They're cheering it too. They're getting fired up. And and throughout the course of six or seven weeks, I was like, look, once we get to this level, we'll set a goal. I'll tell you what the secret is. And finally it came out. They were like, what is it? They, they hit the goal that we, we established. And I wrote it on the board vertically this time, starting with W-O-O and moved my way down. And it spelled out it was a C.T. Fletcher thing. So he walked into a gym and he was training somebody in one of his training videos. And he said, which one of you is coming in second? And I was like, whoa, this is profound. This is awesome. So which one of you is coming in second? And the kids looked at me like, what are you talking about? We don't want to come in second. Which one of you is coming in second? Because I just got here. I'm coming in first. Which one of you is coming in second? Are you? No, I'm coming in first too. No, no, I don't believe you. And I would scream it out. Well, you guys, let's go. Are you coming in second? No. You're, well, if everyone's here and I just walked in, you're all coming in second at, at best. So, and man, they just built up that energy, built up that energy. And we rolled that out on a max out day. Man, they got fired up. So it was something little that they got behind without even realizing they got behind it. And then once it was explained to them, that became their their fire that got their goosebumps going and i bet you to this day for a couple of them that were really got into it they might still remember what it was all about so let's review motivation the reason or reasons one is has for acting or behaving a particular way can be broken down to implicit versus explicit or it can be derived from intrinsic versus extrinsic 
there's a curve that we want things to go on when discipline is high and it takes a lot of energy and effort and mental fortitude and the discipline required is high because your time invested is low we want to stay at it stay consistent stay growing and keep fighting that fight until it gets to the point where our time invested is high and the discipline required is low that is when becomes internal motivation it will not be as hard day in and day out the cravings stop the hard times of waking up at 4 a.m. stop, everything gets easier, and then your goals can improve from there. Next, you want to find your Ronnie Coleman. You want to find your Dreams and Nightmares song. You want to find your Eagle Super Bowl. You want to find what gets you fired up, what gets the, the hair on the back of your neck to stand up, what gives you goosebumps, what gets you jacked up. And you can use that not only in your workouts, but in projects as well. If you're building something around the house, if you're writing a paper, if you're just feeling lackadaisical, put on a clip. There's no one in this in this world who's ever picked up a weight on purpose that can't watch a Ronnie Coleman video of him screaming, yeah, buddy, and then squatting 800 pounds. That's not going to be like, all right, I feel better. Let's go do my thing. So find your Ronnie Coleman, find your Eagle Super Bowl win, find your David Goggins book, get yourself inspired because motivation takes time. Inspiration can happen right away. That's all I got for today's episode. Next, again, I'm going to be bouncing back and forth between research and interviews. I have a really exciting interview lined up for the next one. This one's going to be a good one. So make sure that you lock in, follow this channel, save this channel. Follow me on social media at CoachP underscore knows. There's going to be a lot more content to come. I'm pumped for this guest speaker. I have a list of guest speakers. This is the first one that I chose for a reason. It hits me in so many levels of life right now. That's where we're at. Thank you to all my listeners. If you want to share, like, or follow, give me ratings and reviews all the good feedback because it really helps. If I get one positive remark about this episode, it'll fire me up for the next few days and maybe it'll be added to my list of things that gets me jacked up. Again, follow me everywhere at coach P underscore knows. I hope you have something to take away from this episode that you can use for yourself. Remember to start with your why, build your foundation through fitness and nutrition, good relationships, prepare for the journey ahead. A lot of big, exciting things coming up. That's it for Dragons and Demons podcast. I'm out.